Welcome to Clin Farm Pod. I'm Elena Webster, Deputy Managing Editor for the ASCBT Family of Journals. My guest today is Dr. Sarah Holstein, Associate Professor at the University of Nebraska Medical Center and Associate Editor for Clinical Pharmacology and Therapeutics. Thanks for joining us to talk about peer review today, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Before we jump into how to determine if you should review a submission, what do you feel peer review contributes to sound science? And why is it so important to the success of not only ASCBT's journals, but scholarly and scientific journals in general? I think it's incredibly important that we obtain objective and rigorous reviews to ensure that what we publish and what is published in general in the scientific literature is of the highest quality. We really wanna make sure that the publication accurately reports on the published research and helps inform the design of our future research efforts. It's important to note that incorrect information or misinformation once it's out in the published realm can really do great harm for years to come. So we wanna do everything possible to prevent that. Thank you. So if you are asked to review a submission to a peer reviewed journal, how do you determine if you are qualified to review the paper? So I think an initial glance at the title is usually sufficient to determine whether the subject matter is is within your general scope, but then you really need a closer read of the abstract to ensure that it really is something that you're qualified to review. For example, I'm a specialist in multiple myeloma, so anything that has multiple myeloma in the title is going to draw my initial interest. Um, But if I get a request to review a manuscript about soil analysis, I'm going to instantly decline that invitation. But if I then read the abstract uh, for the manuscript that had myeloma in the title, and it ends up, for example, involving an analysis of a really large genomic databases that require bioinformatics expertise, which is something that I don't have, I'll end up declining it because I just don't have that type of expertise, even if the disease is something that I have expertise in. And where possible, I do try to help journal editorial staff out by suggesting alternate reviewers if I know somebody who does have that uh, requisite expertise. Great. Would you walk me through what would constitute a conflict of interest for a review? What does that look like? And how do you go about determining if you should not review a paper based on the conflict? So that's an excellent question. And COI is not always black and white, but sometimes you know instantly that perhaps uh, you take a look at the authors and uh, one of the authors has been a close collaborator of yours. And so certainly it's not appropriate for you to review that manuscript. Other times it might be that you have some sort of financial interest um, that perhaps you had not fully disclosed to the uh, journal previously. And uh, sometimes this isn't black and white either. Obviously, if you're a current employee of a pharmaceutical company and you're being asked to review a manuscript uh, from another branch within that same pharmaceutical company, that's not going to be appropriate. But it's a little bit more gray if perhaps you're being asked to review a manuscript from a pharmaceutical company and you previously worked at that pharmaceutical company 20 years ago. Does that still constitute a COI? I would say the best thing is always, if you have any uncertainty, is to inquire uh, with the journal editorial staff as to whether or not it's a conflict. And I've done this on several occasions where I haven't been quite sure, but I think it's always best if in doubt to disclose it and just say, hey, is this something that is of concern? Do you, you know, I think I could still provide an impartial review, but if there's any concern about COI, uh, then certainly we would need to find somebody else to review this. And what can you do to avoid being asked to review papers on which you have a COI? So one of the best things that you can do is to make sure that your affiliations and contact information are up to date in the journal submission system. 
And, you know, all of us throughout our professional careers change positions or take on new roles, new consulting um, things, especially if we're in academics. And it's important that we need to update our profile with the journal. So particularly if it's a society or a journal that you're heavily involved in, please make sure that you log in and update your profile so that automatically when journal editorial staff start to work on a new submission and think about uh, who might be potential reviewers, if, if your name comes up and there is a COI involved, your name will automatically be flashed uh, so that you won't get contacted and the whole process won't take longer. I know on the author end, we're sometimes frustrated with um, the process in general because we want things to be reviewed as quickly as possible and published as quickly as possible, but sometimes the delay can be in finding reviewers in a timely manner. And if some of that delay is happening because journals are contacting reviewers who end up having COIs and that could have been prevented if the affiliation or other COI information had been in the system, then that would speed up the entire process. Excellent. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today and for sharing your insights on peer review. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? You know, so I know that all of us understand that participating in peer review can be a very time-consuming process. But just remember that when it's your own manuscript that's under submission, you want the most qualified people possible to carefully review it. And you want the journal to have done everything possible to make sure that the individuals involved in the review process don't have a conflict of interest that might jeopardize the quality of the review. Perfect, Sarah. Thank you. And thank you for listening to ClinFarm Pod. Be sure to check out past episodes while you're here. And remember to visit www.ascpt.org for updated podcast releases, our latest webinars, and the most recent issue of all three journals.